A drag queen teacher in West Virginia was arrested on child sexual exploitation charges. He faces eight counts of sexual exploitation of a minor and charges related to distribution of child porn. Edgar Cohn is a teacher in the Jefferson County Schools in West Virginia. In Oregon, a drag queen named Aaron David Griffin was arrested on child sex crime charges. He was charged with three counts of third-degree sexual abuse and commercial sexual solicitation. And his friend, another drag queen, Kelsey Maida Barin, is a convicted pedophile. It's always the people you most suspect. It's the Palmetto Family Matters Show, next. That's right, it's the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. It's the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser here with you. It is Wednesday, February 7th. The year of our Lord, 2024. Ding. And what a show we have for you today. No, we're not talking about the three people I just referenced in the open. Oh, I just so that was like a complete and total throwaway? I just feel like it's important that we keep in mind that it's always the people you most suspect. It's almost like they're telegraphing. It's almost <laughs> like they're saying the quiet part out loud. We do have a lot to get to today. Uh, political updates from Nevada. We'll get to Nikki Haley's rousing loss in Nevada Wait, last there was, night. There was a <laughs> there was a primary. Oh. Ronna Romney McDaniel is supposedly stepping down. Is it supposedly or supposedly? I hear it both. Ronna Romney McDaniel <laughs> is matter. rumored she's stepping down. <laughs> is rumored to be stepping down, but only after the South Carolina primary. Who could possibly be taking her place? Mm. Disney is institutionalizing racism and sexism. We'll get to the trans tide turning in an op-ed from the New York Times. But first, breaking South Carolina news. Uh, sort of breaking. Spraining. I, spraining. Point. Yeah. I joined uh, here in Columbia, the local news talk radio show, uh, yesterday morning. That'd be Tuesday. You can hear that full interview on our social media pages uh, later on today as we record this in the morning. Um Columbia's Morning News on 103.5 FM and 560 AM WVOC. Wow, it's like you've said that before. I think I've said that for eight years. And uh, joined, it joined if, Gary, David, and Christopher if Thompson. If you don't know, Justin does the post-game show for the Gamecocks on 103.5 and what is it? five? 103.5 FM and 560 AM WVOC. The voice of Columbia. <laughs> so I joined Gary, David, and Christopher Thompson. I didn't get to talk to Christopher, but I've talked to him during football season. Anyway. When you guys sulk and... <laughs> We don't sulk. Who cares? Uh, we just do a show. Who cares if they win or lose? Actually, better if they lose. Anyway, um, I was on with Gary. We talked about the um, Age Verification Act and medical marijuana, which yep. we will get to in a second. And then the tie or the conversation turned. The the conversation actually turned at the very beginning because it might have been because I called him the Taylor Swift of local media. But good job, thank you. I don't think I've told this, you that. This yet. headline from the Hill. South Carolina woman sues to clarify the state's heartbeat abortion ban. A South Carolina woman who said she was forced to travel out of state for an abortion. I have a problem there. No one forced this woman to travel out of state um, for an abortion. No, no one forced her to. I'm going to make the argument that Palmetto, or ooh, stop, Planned Parenthood did in order to prove a point. We will get to that in a second. Uh, because this is a law that bans the procedure of the detection of a fetal heartbeat, and this woman is asking the court to clarify whether that milestone occurs at six weeks or nine weeks. Now, here's where it gets tricky. This woman, Taylor Shelton, I'm assuming her gender, 
and Planned Parenthood South Atlantic's chief medical officer, Catherine Ferris. Eventually, Miss Ferris is going to have to really want to stop appearing before the Supreme Court and, and getting defeated, right? I mean, she's taken more losses in front of the Supreme Court than, well, insert your sports metaphor here. They want to interpret the law to mean nine weeks. The South Carolina Supreme Court last summer upheld the ban after striking down an earlier version earlier in the year. The justices declined to take up Planned Parenthood's request to clarify how far along in an abortion or in a pregnancy an abortion could be legally performed. A Freudian slip there. In upholding the ban, the state Supreme Court majority wrote that, quote, they were leaving for another day, end quote, a decision on when specifically fetal heartbeat can be detected and whether the definition refers to the point at which a fetal heart has been formed. The law does not give an exact week. We've done a cursory search of the law, of the bill, as it was written and passed and signed and tried. Wow, sounds like a rigorous test yeah. has gone through. I'm it just a never, bill. It never mentions a specific week at all. No, Six, never. nine, zero, it 12, doesn't. It 20. Says, and in doesn't fact, mention weeks. I have the bill here. I have the bill. <laughs> um, it's just a bill. Let me find it. It's it's on Capitol Hill while he's waiting. Takes he's a waiting. takes a little bit of time to find this. Um, it allows. Oh, sorry, that's the Compassionate Care Act. That's different. No wonder <laughs> I couldn't find it. We'll be talking about that soon. It only mentions fetal cardiac activity. Correct, and that is the sole determiner of when a pregnancy, a baby, cannot. Be aborted, of course, with the exceptions, rape, incest, life of the mother, and in this case, in this law, fetal anomaly. Yes. Those are in the law. It isn't six, it isn't nine, and Planned Parenthood, South Atlantic, and Miss Taylor have camped out on the idea that it's a certain number of weeks. She was told that it was after, correct me if I'm wrong, after four? She went, no, she went. To Planned Parenthood, I believe in Columbia. Yeah. And she was four weeks pregnant. Now, let me be snarky for a second. I was told throughout the debate, and I was told by the Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court, Justice Beatty, women don't know they're pregnant before six weeks. That's what I was told. Mm. That it's nigh on impossible. I have my own reasons to disagree with that. I was told at four weeks pregnant, you don't know. Apparently, this woman knew, or she suspected, and they confirmed. Now, I said this on the air yesterday on the radio during my interview. I I will repeat this. Under current law, if we define it as six weeks, let's just say we define it as six weeks, then... While I disagree with and believe it should be illegal, at four weeks, this woman could obtain a procedure or, more likely, medication to kill her child. That She could. She under, shouldn't. She under could. state law, it would appear that she could. And that needs However, to change. How, and that needs to change. However, Planned Parenthood moved that. So, according to the lawsuit, Shelton found out she was pregnant when she was about four weeks along, early enough to qualify under the six-week interpretation. But she was unable to get an appointment with one of the abortion providers in the two-week time frame 
before her pregnancy would have progressed. Now I have a question. If it's progressing, if something is growing, I tend to believe that means something is living. Beside the point. As a result, the lawsuit states that she was forced, forced to make three trips to North Carolina with more than 20 hours of driving to obtain care. The entire experience left me angry and, quite frankly, traumatized. Imagine the child. So what the lawsuit will doubtless say is that, and this is a legal term that's applied to a person, Mm -hmm. in this case a mother, who cannot obtain an abortion in her manner of choosing. It's called undue burden. This idea that we must make it as easy as possible under the law in order to get an abortion. Mm -hmm. My assumption is she is suing the state of South Carolina because they placed undue burden on her to successfully obtain the abortion that the state granted her. Sure. Whether or not she believes that's at six or nine, the problem is fetal cardiac activity was present. Mm-hmm. Now, our neighbors to the north, those Yankees up in North Carolina, they've adopted a 12-week ban. Yes. It is a 12-week ban. So right. they go back, measure gestation. Their gestational age of 12 weeks, which, again, is not... I would argue is more problematic yeah. and less scientific than, is there a heartbeat? Yeah. Yes or no? We is hook up fetal, a Doppler. Is there fetal cardiac activity? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we hook up a Doppler. You know, and I understand there's some complications with that. If we have to do a, um, and I won't go into the exacts because we're just not going to do biology today. We do an ultrasound to right. determine. And just because there's fetal cardiac activity does not mean that the heart is fully formed. It Correct. takes a little while for the heart to fully form to get the four chambers. But so, when you hear that, that's a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, well according to Stacey Abrams, it's a made up sound by the white patriarchy. Anyway. When, uh, from uh, an amorphous cluster of cells? At some point, we're going to get it right. So what happens next? This lawsuit's going to be heard? Question mark? Yeah. It's going to it's and going to move through the court. Once that happens, it's going to go through the circuit court process first. Um, that could mean a stay on the heartbeat law. Uh, yeah. Which means that you will get a stoppage of the law. While which it's means enjoined. While it's enjoined, free for all at Planned Parenthood. Could go back to 20 weeks. For a, for a, for a bit, for a time, for a segment in time. Sure. Um, I'm thinking of Kamala Harris in my head. And then the <laughs> court will have to rule. Time. I would like to believe that I've got three very solid conservative justices on the court that will rule based on the rule of law and simple biology. That's what I believe. We are tracking other things inside the state house and across the state of South Carolina. One of those is the, I'm quoting here, quote, Compassionate Care Act, end quote, which would legalize the medicinal use of marijuana inside the state of South Carolina. If you remember, this bill passed in the Senate two sessions ago, and it was tossed out in the House because of a, um, well, I'll call it I'll call it a technical ruling, but technically, uh, it's a constitutional. It's a constitutional ruling. ruling because a bill that levies a tax cannot, cannot, I repeat cannot originate in the Senate. All uh, those all bills that levy a tax or levy revenue generation must 
originate in the House, not the Senate. So medical marijuana has been set, medicinal use of marijuana has been set for special order inside the uh, uh, South Carolina Senate. Uh, that will be debated uh, today, probably you, right now. If you're um, listening if to listening. this in the afternoon of Wednesday the seventh, then it it's being debated. It's being debated right now. <laughs> I would encourage you, if you're listening right now, and by that I mean Wednesday between one and five, contact your senator, call your senator, tell them that the Compassionate Care Act, the in marijuana industrial complex, is not what South Carolina needs right now on the books. We have a right to try novel medicine under state code, correct? Which would include specific types, not a plethora, mm-hmm. but specific types of medication that would contain THC elements of THC. We at Palmetto Family, all along, Justin, we've said we're not diametrically opposed to to a right to try novel medicine if it is approved by the FDA. If it is prescribed by a doctor and it is issued by a licensed pharmacist, then by all means. But the problem with this is... That's my bar. Yeah. The problem with this is it's not approved by the FDA. And while a doctor may or may not prescribe it under the law as it's written, it introduces the idea of seed to sale. Mm -hmm. It introduces... a, a pharmacy system, and I, I separate you, from uh, pharmacies. Yeah, that isn't even a pharmacy. It's more like, and I shudder to say this because I know someone will challenge. It's more like a dispensary. Correct, but you can't. You but hey, 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 you don't. You aren't allowed to use a marijuana leaf to promote it. So it's okay. Correct, and it'll. It, it's it's primary means of ingestion. Vaping, which is ridiculous. It's dangerous. I mean. For crying out loud, there are Netflix specials now against uh, the the advertising of vape products, whether they contain nicotine or not, to minors. I think because we understand how harmful this is. I think the issue here, and everyone's going to always say, "Well, you always think it's not a slippery slope," but in in reality, this is setting the table. Every state that's ever passed medicinal use of marijuana within the next four to five years, at the very maximum fully legalizes recreational use of marijuana. If you read the bill, and we'll do that on Friday's show. The whole one? The whole bill? We won't read the oh, whole bill, but I'll goodness, make sure. It's 40 I'll read the whole bill for you, <laughs> and, give and you then the I'll give you notes. a summation of the bill. And then somebody will attack me for not giving you the full language of the bill. We'll probably say something like you've gone up and smoked. Or- you, you, this is God's plan. Uh, it, so Genesis three. The anyway, devil. The devil's lettuce is no different. The devil's, the devil's lettuce. <laughs> the left-handed cigarettes are no different than poison ivy. Yes, God made them both. Sin, sin spinach. But but thank you because of a sin cursed world. Yep. Certain things are not meant for human consumption. I'm not making. By the way, I am not making light of the plight of both young and old who are in chronic pain. Yeah. Who are no. experiencing PTSD and whatever else you claim this magic medicine will fix. I'm not I'm not against that. It doesn't cure anything, by the way. What I'm telling you is there is a proper way to go about it. This isn't the proper way. What this we bill on. what this bill does, really quickly, and then yep. we'll move on. And and we'll uh, expound on this on Friday. Sure. So tune in then. What this bill does, have you ever looked at a mountain? Um, and said, boy, I'd love to go to the top of that. 
Oh, well, I want to climb that mountain. But see, that's the problem. You want to drive your car up there. I don't want to hike it. Well, you don't want to hike it. You want to drive your car up there. So interesting, interesting to tie into that before you continue. If you go to Israel, I've been there. <laughs> Weird flex again. Masada. Uh huh. Yeah, you're not driving your car up there. Uh, you can hike it. Yeah, you can hike Did it up you? and down. No, they wouldn't let us. Our tour guide wouldn't let us even tr- attempt to it. We had to ride the cable car. Up to the top, and that you're man, you were scrunched in there. Oh, claustrophobic. It is bad. tight like sardines. Anyway, to your point, you look at that and you go, you look at it from far and like, I'd like to hike that, and then you get closer and you go, I don't want to hike that. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to walk up. It's a pain. So I just want to drive my car up there, which is a pain on your car. Your transmission. That's what this build does for everyone that looks at the mountaintop whether it's a plethora or a majority or every concerned South Carolinian that, believe, Linian, that believes in compassion, mm-hmm. wants recreational use, that's the mountaintop. Sure. And what this bill does is say, you don't have to hike up there. In, just, the a few, in just a few years, we'll have the road paved for you to drive up yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. what this bill does. And we'll break that down on Friday. I want to get to this uh, because I believe there's a possibility that the trans tide could be turning. One of my favorite speakers, Michael Knowles, I listen to his show every day. At CPAC last year, he said, and I quote, the the idea and the concept of transgenderism must be eradicated from society. Mm, And they took that to mean transgender people. He never said transgender people. He said transgenderism. I think what we're seeing is a long game that appears to be the case. This is an op-ed from the New York Times written by Pamela Paul. There are a few personal stories in here that I want to read. I think it's important to note, this is in the op-ed of the New York Times, one of the most widely circulated newspapers online <clears throat> in the country so in and just, in the world. In case you're not familiar with what an op-ed is, it is not necessarily something that the paper endorses, but they but, will pu- they print but it. They've printed and published it online in the actual paper, mm-hmm. and it's an opinion opinion piece. Yeah, opinion edition. Grace Powell was twelve or thirteen when she discovered she could be a boy. Growing up in a relatively conservative community in Grand, Rap- Grand Rapids, Michigan, Powell, like many teenagers, didn't feel comfortable in her own skin. Um, alert to you if you're a parent with your child. Some of this material might be sensitive to some listeners. She didn't feel comfortable in her own skin. She was unpopular, frequently bullied. Puberty made it all worse. She suffered from depression and was in and out of therapy. I felt so detached from my body, and the way it was developing felt hostile to me. Reading about transgender people online, Powell believed that the reason she didn't feel comfortable in her body was that she was in the wrong body. Transitioning seemed like the obvious solution. The narrative she heard and absorbed was that if you don't transition, you'll kill yourself. So at age 17... Desperate to begin hormone therapy, she broke the news to her parents. They sent her to a gender specialist to make sure she was serious. And in the fall of her senior year of high school, she started cross-sex hormones. She had a double mastectomy the Mm. following summer before college. Then went off as a transgender man named Grayson to Sarah Lawrence College, where she was paired with a male roommate on a men's floor. Mm. At five foot three, she felt she came across as a very effeminate gay man. At no point during her medical or surgical transition, she says, did anyone ask her about the reasons behind her gender dysphoria or her depression. At no point was she asked about her sexual orientation, and at no point was she asked about any previous trauma, and so neither the therapist nor the doctors ever learned that she'd been sexually abused as a child. Mm. 
I wish there had been more open conversations, Powell said, now 23 and detransitioned. But I was told there was one cure and one thing to do if this is your problem, and this will help you. Another story. After Kathleen's 15-year-old son, whom she described as an obsessive child, abruptly told his parents he was trans, the doctor who was going to assess whether he had ADHD referred him instead to someone who specialized in both ADHD and gender. Kathleen, who asked to be identified by her first name only to protect her son's privacy, assumed that the specialist would do some kind of evaluation or assessment. That was not the case. The meeting was brief and ended on a shocking note. In front of my son, Kathleen recounted, the therapist said, do you want a dead son or a living daughter? Parents are routinely warned that to pursue any path outside of agreeing with a child's self-declared gender identity is to put gender dysphoric youth at risk for suicide, which feels to many people like emotional blackmail. Proponents of the gender-affirming model have cited studies that show an associated risk uh, between the standard of care and a lower risk of suicide, but those studies were found to have methodological flaws or have been deemed not entirely conclusive. A survey of studies on the psychological effects of cross-sex hormones published three years ago in the Journal of Endocrine Society The Professional Organization for Hormone Specialists found it, quote, could not draw any conclusions about death by suicide. In a letter to the Wall Street Journal last year, 21 experts from nine countries said that the survey was one reason they believed there was, quote, no reliable evidence to suggest that hormonal transition is an effective suicide prevention measure. Of course not. In fact, there's a Swedish study that says that a person, especially a male, and are we we, we still in NSFW? Yes. Okay. If the kids are around, just, and I feel weird talking about this, especially in cases where um, a male has had, I'm just going to say it, okay, uh, where a male has had his penis removed. Yes. 20.1 times more likely to commit suicide after that's taken place. There's a reason for that's that. A, that's a Swedish study. Yeah. And you know what the reason is? Because you've gone against God's creation. 23-year-old detransitioning woman Casey Emmerich uh, from Pennsylvania said, I transitioned because I didn't want to be gay. Raised in a conservative Christian church, she said, I believed homosexuality was a sin, rightly. When she was 15, Emmerich confessed her homosexuality to her mother. Her mother attributed her sexual orientation to trauma. Uh, Emmerich's father was convicted of raping and assaulting her repeatedly between the ages of four and seven. Hmm. Um, In a Christian home? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm quoting yeah. there. Yeah, oh, I get, I get in it. In May 2017, Emmerich began searching gender online and encountered trans advocacy websites. After realizing she could, quote, pick the other side, she told her mother she was sick of being called a derogatory term for a woman who looks more like a man mm-hmm. and not a real girl. And if she were a man, she'd feel free to pursue relationships with other women. That September, she and her mother met with a licensed professional counselor. She told the counselor she wished to be a Boy Scout rather than a Girl Scout. She said she didn't like being gay or a masculine lesbian. She also told the counselor that she had suffered from anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. The clinic recommended testosterone, which was prescribed by a nearby LGBTQ health clinic. Shortly after she was also diagnosed with ADHD, I'm sensing a pattern, she developed panic attacks, and at age 17, she was cleared for a double mastectomy. I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm having my breasts removed. I'm 17. I'm too young for this. Hello. But she went ahead with the operation. Transitioning felt like a way to control something when I couldn't control anything in my life. But after living as a trans man for five years, 
Emmerich realized her mental health symptoms were only getting worse, and in the fall of 2022, she came out as a detransitioner on Twitter and was immediately attacked. Yep. Transgender influencers told her she was bald and ugly. I thought my life was over, she said. I realized I had lived a lie for five years. Today, Emmerich's voice, permanently altered by testosterone, is that of a man. Yeah. When she tells people she's a detransitioner, they ask what her plans, ask when she plans to stop taking testosterone and live as a woman. And she has to reply, I've been off of it Already have, for yeah. a year. Yeah. There's... The reason why I want to recount those stories to you, and, and this highlights a little bit of what we talked about with Chloe Cole back in November, this is a serious issue, and I believe it's one of the gravest issues we face as a society, and this is a uniquely American problem right now. The Tavistock Clinic in Britain shut down. Yeah. The, the British society is moving away from this idea. But in America, there are certain continents that look at this as just as ridiculous. Africa looks at this as a crazy. Confound that with a post from mm-hmm. the FBI on Twitter yesterday. Mm-hmm. Female genital mutilation is a devastating crime, affecting the lifelong emotional and physical well-being of survivors. This is highlighted. Ending this human rights abuse will take a multidisciplinary approach from law enforcement, including community outreach, education, and training. Today and every day, the FBI stands with women and girls against female genital mutilation and all forms of violence. This is from Assistant Director of the Criminal Investigative Division, Michael D. Nordwall. So the FBI says that female genital mutilation is a devastating crime, and it's a human rights abuse. And yet, yeah. the president who oversees this Justice Department is pushing for states to permanently put into law gender-affirming care, which is fancy mushmouth talk for genital mutilation. So yeah. which one is it? So we decry, it, really this is aimed at... Um, Third world countries. Well... And, yeah. those, and those who hold people hostage are those who commit these crimes. Let's just shoot straight. It, it, it's against Muslim Muslim groups. Sure. Who sure. are doing this yes. uh, under the guise of Islam. Correct. And not, not all Muslims agree with this, certainly. Um, ironically, they're... They're castigating a religious group when they themselves are committing well, religiosity. Ca- I was about to say they they're castigating two religious. They've groups made then. they've made yeah they've made this <clears throat> cultural sexual revolution not a revolution any longer. It's a, a religion. religion, right? And we've been saying that for years now. You know, I'm reading Justin, um, my weird flex of the day. Okay, uh, I'm reading uh, James Dobson again. Of I course. have three little boys. Um, yeah. And I, I think it only inappropriate that I read bringing up boys as much as possible. I might need, I may need to borrow yeah, that book yeah, in a month. I'll, I'll I'm not send it over. sure yet. Uh, he's got one for girls. Um, oh, well, I need like to borrow either one of them. One of the chapters in the book specifically addresses children who have um, ideation outside of what I will, and I'll use their term, heteronormative behavior. It, let's just say it this way, the way God designed. Correct. So how we handle them we do not pump them full of pills we do not have 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 appendages and lumps and masses removed from their body 
We don't do that. We counsel them through it. The issue that most people have today, and you said this, this young lady was diagnosed with ADHD. What are we going to do about that? We're going to give her more pills. No, no, no. A, a, a child today diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, pump full of pills. There's a, there's a, there's a healthy yeah. way to handle medicine. However, yes. one of the common themes that we've heard as we've pursued help not harm legislation had multiple, I mean, not multiples, not even fair, tons of conversations and listen to people. Mm-hmm. The notion that the only solution is quote unquote gender affirming care is a fallacy. Well, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. It is possible for a person to receive the counsel and care they need while not being affirmed in their delusion. Delusion and just to just to call it what the DSM used to call it, mental health, gender dysphoria, yeah. and there's rapid onset gender dysphoria now, which I believe is just a social contagion. Um, I believe all of this is a social contagion. Well, there's self diagnosis of autism. You know, everybody's autistic. Now. We have to be well, and they call it neurodivergence. Yeah, oh, and, and, yeah, I, and I am go. and I am and I am careful with with whom I'm speaking here because you have yeah, yeah. you have personal connections to this and and there there are legitimate cases of this. However, it is important that we understand that self-diagnoses of significant, serious issues, those that will affect the rest of your life, yeah. are important that we take proper measures to them. Absolutely. I mean, it's not as simple as a headache and going to pop a few ibuprofen, right? Or, right. or you have a headache, have you drank enough water today? Even, right? if your kid, kind of thing. even if your kid hits you in the head with a golf club. Um, Personal experience? No, Saturday. <laughs> by the way, by the way, happy National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Oh wow! Uh, Wait, signed uh, signed into uh, signed into being by President Ronald Reagan does on that, February third of nineteen eighty seven. Does that even matter anymore? It does to me. Uh, uh, oh no! I, I mean, I, I, mean I, yeah. I, I mean, I enjoy the fact that there are women's sports and there are spaces specifically for women to compete against those who are on their same level athletically. I mean, it is enjoyable, in fact, and it will be enjoyable that Can you, the Women's Basketball National Championship game this year will be South Carolina and Iowa. It'll be Caitlin Clark versus Can you, South just, Carolina Just Gamecocks. think about this for a second. Without that, and I know there were women's sports before that. In ni- there were women's sports oh, long yeah, before oh, 1987. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were looking at... But yeah. without the affirmation, without the dedication... Title nine, Without the help... Yeah, there would be no Re- Megan Rapinoe. There would be no Pat Summit, and I love you. I love you. Yeah, if you're listening, if you ever listen to this, I'd love to go eat lunch with you at Kiki's Chicken and Waffles because mm-hmm. it's good food. There would be no Don Staley. There would be no Asia Wilson. There would be no Macy Petty, who is traveling around the United States right now using her platform. Riley Gaines, uh, uh, Laura Sk- or Paula Scanlon, Venus and Serena Williams, Venus Serena Williams, Billie Jean King. Now, could Venus and Serena play with lower tier male athletes in tennis? Two hundred thirtieth ranked men beat Venus and Serena Williams, but well, Billy beat Bobby. I'm just saying that we need to have specific spaces for women. Yes, not out of segregation but out of understanding of simple basic biology. You know so what? We Males and females are different. Whoa. As I Whoa. read as I read in the scriptures this morning. Whoa. 
uh, novel. Jesus affirms Genesis one and two, um, in Matt and Mark chapter ten. Unbelievable. So happy National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Uh, a couple more things here before we get out of here. Disney has offered new inclusion standards, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I'm just going to run through these. Um, Standard A, on-screen representation. At least three of the following five areas need to be met to fulfill this standard. Uh, Number one, characters. 50% or more of regular and recurring written characters come from underrepresented groups. What if it's monsters? 50% or more of regular and recurring actors must come from underrepresented groups. What if it's bugs? Meaningful inclusion of underrepresented groups as secondary or more minor on-screen individuals, including background actors. Uh, What if it's animals? Series premise. Meaningful integration of underrepresented groups in the overall theme and narrative of a series. Ongoing meaningful integration of underrepresented groups in episodic themes and narratives, according to episodic storytelling. This includes, by the way... Does that mean we're going to get more aardvarks and... I don't and, know. And, and red, red rough lemurs? This, and, this is also the case for creative leadership, for below the line or producers yes, and others yeah. of those, industry access and career development. Bottom of the page. Context is critical. When when evaluating if a group is underrepresented, anyone involved in hiring decisions is prohibited from asking candidates and talent about their actual or perceived race, religion, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, military veteran status, age, disability, or any other legally protected category. I'm calling foul on the play. So explain to me how... Perfect question. How, how, who is to know? I'm Welsh American, okay? I'm a black Jewish lesbian. Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. I'm Welsh American. If they're not allowed to ask, do I have to just walk around with a business card that says my intersectionality quotient on it? I have, so. The front says my name, email, my talents, interests, you know, what I'm good at. And then the back says, Welsh American. So. As we as as my wife and I gear up to welcome our first child into the world, and in, in, how do you in, know it's not going to be like a art for weeks? <laughs> well, I have my theories. Um, as, as we as we gear up for that, but part of that is when you do baby showers. You know, you get baby pictures from both mom and dad. I never realized this, but as a baby, my hair had had a good shade of red to it. Really, and my beard, if you look closely, yeah, yeah, I see that. has red in it. I have a have an have some Irish in me and a wee bit of Scottish. <laughs> yeah. And and so who are you to tell me that I'm not Irish American? By the way, I'm an American. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. Absolutely. I was born in America, born yeah. and raised. I'm, I mean, I'm a South Carolinian, but I'm also an American. Uh, those things may be different American down the line. By birth, those were different. South Carolinian those were, by choice. Those were different at one time, by the way. Hallelujah um, and amen. So that's <laughs> all joking. Uh, but again, this is institutionalizing racism and sexism. Is that fair? Yeah. We are now we are now turning back the clock and hiring people solely based on their race, their gender, and who they are romantically involved with. I love what Tony Dungy said a couple of years. You don't know who Tony Dungy is? Super Bowl champion, uh, NFL coach, uh, great NFL player as and, well, and a, and a black man. And he said, "You know what the mark 
the the measure of when I had been accepted by the league was not when I got hired, but when they actually had the audacity to fire me as a black man. I knew then and there that I was accepted by the league. We do not. Well, let me argue. I, I I'm arguing. I'm going to argue against myself, okay. which I do sometimes. <laughs> um, it's fun in the mirror. Oh no, you didn't. No, anyway. Um. I believe when the rubber meets the road, we actually do live in a meritocracy. Um, you know, whether you and some people, oh, it's natural selection. No, it, it's just that we're not Harvard's con- president. Yeah. However, at least on the onset, at least in on its face, there is this push to expel a meritocracy as if it shouldn't exist for whatever reason you want to make it's up. Whiteness. Or or just straight up wokeness. Sure. Um so we live it we should live in a meritocracy Agreed. which means the best person for the job male mm-hmm. female mm-hmm. black white gay straight mm-hmm. whatever gets the job and crazy notion if you don't want to hire someone don't hire them maybe you shouldn't have to hire them correct we got a couple of political stories to get to today this one made me laugh so nevada is it Nevada or Nevada? I, I've Nevada, I believe. Nevada. Okay. So Nevada has a caucus. They did. They will. But they also have a primary. Huh? It's a law. <laughs> it's a law. Who knows? But um, Tuesday's primary had <laughs> had three options. Nevada's primary had oh the following. Wait, goodness. Donald Trump was not on the ballot Correct. in the Nevada primary. I he's on. Not, he's th- on the caucus ballot. I watched the Gamecocks last night. This is the first time I've seen this. I saw it this morning. This is this is pretty funny. So there were three candidates on the ballot that are of note, and that was Mike Pence, Tim Scott, and Nikki Haley. Do you want to go from the bottom up? Oh, there are more. No, well, no, I mean, yeah, we could talk about John Castro, Hirsch Singh, Donald Yornas. No, and, I'm good. Just yeah, just let's go, Tim three. Scott. So Tim Scott, Mike Pence, and Nikki Haley. Tim Scott not, got 950 votes for a total of 1.4 percent of mm-hmm. the total vote. Mm-hmm. Mike, Mike Pence, Pence 2,752 votes for a total of 4 percent of the vote. Okay, Nikki, Nikki Haley, Haley mm-hmm. crushed those two. Okay, she got. Six times more than they received mm-hmm. with 30.5% or raw vote 21,199. And she lost. And that's a lot considering she lost. Who'd she lose to? She no lost one. to no one. She lost to none of these candidates. Which I, I think we I think I think we all understand what that means. But he's running in the caucus. You get to vote for him in a couple of days. Which they will. Uh, 63.2% of Nevada voters, GOP primary voters, which for a raw count of 43,893 people. Run that that number again. 43,893, which I'm doing basic math here, is more than double what she received. 43,000 people went to the polls specifically not to vote for you. Not to vote for somebody else, 
but specifically not to vote for you. I will also posit to you this point, that if there was an option for none of the ones listed above on the general election ballot in November, that might win. (laughs) (laughs) Giant Meteor 2024. That's who my brother-in-law is By the way, I don't know who this man is. I'm assuming his gender. There's no picture beside his name. I just want to give a shout-out to Heath Fulkerson. Um. A great Nevadan, I'm sure. Careful. He got yeah. Who knows? If you know Heath, just tell him. You know, and if you know Heath, he's he a get? bad guy. 89 votes. He's got a big family. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, uh, it is that part of the country? He got he got 21,110 votes fewer than the second place vote getter, and she so, lost by 50 percent less. Then no one. So the unusual setup comes after a 2021 Nevada law states that a state-run primary must take place if more than one candidate files for president. Uh, the Nevada Republican Party, and I'm using Axios's language here, led by allies of the former president, opposed the rule change and still proceeded with the caucuses, all but ensuring that uh, former President Trump will sweep the state's 26 delegates. Candidates were allowed to only participate in one of the contests, but voters can vote in both. Uh, Nikki Haley on Monday said the caucuses were rigged for Trump. I thought that was Trump's thing. Adding that her campaign has not, quote, spent a dime nor an ounce of energy on the state. <laughs> Nothing uh, says. Haley campaign man. It's just like uh, Nikki Haley's campaign manager, Betsy Anke, said, quote, we made the decision early on that we're not going to pay $55,000 to a Trump entity to participate in a process that was rigged for Trump. Nothing says uh, we don't care about Nevada voters. At all. All, but they don't care about her either because she lost to literally no No one. one. In other Republican news, by the way, a Republican attempt to, a GOP attempt to impeach Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas failed last night in the United States House of Representatives. Key to know here, because one Republican voted no, they can bring that back up next week when Steve Scalise is back in town. He was undergoing cancer treatment on a prevailing side. side. So we do believe that that actually will pass next week. But why not just postpone the vote? Very rarely ever used rule, but has been used in the state house. And I love it when it's used because I got you with that. So here's the thing. And by the way, just postpone the vote. We're not trying to besmirge. The former governor ambassador of the state of South Carolina. Absolutely not. No. This is just a very funny it, political just, thing. I mean, I would imagine. I she don't, was on SNL on Saturday. Yeah, she can take a joke. Yeah, this is this is funny. I don't. I don't know if her campaign's laughing or not. Well, um, I wouldn't be. I, they're in South Carolina. There's they're not no camp. They're not that. campaigning in Nevada, so it doesn't matter. Correct. And 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 I'm I'm sorry, but she's getting a lot of mega donors, but she's not going to be the nominee. So we can move on. Well, we can move along. There's a play. Republican National Committee Chair Ronna Romney McDaniel is expected to leave her job this spring after former President Trump had increasingly grown critical of her leadership. The decision came as she visited Mar-a-Lago. By the way, this is written by Washington Post uh, writer, um, journalist, and South Carolina native Josh Dawsey. The decision came after she visited, as she visited Mar-a-Lago and met with Trump on Monday, but the situation remains fluid. The news of her departure was first reported by the New York Times, which reports it's likely to occur after the primary here in South Carolina on February 24th. McDaniel is in her fourth term as chair of the RNC. She was expected to serve until 2025, but has, quote, considered leaving for months. Her relationship with Trump soured over the Republican primary debates, featuring her cha- featuring his challengers this past fall. Trump wanted her to cancel them. She declined. Good on her, by the way. 
Trump then received a drumbeat of criticism from conservative activists and donors about McDaniel. Trump's campaign has grown increasingly frustrated with their leadership. They've worried about uh, the view uh, as the RNC's lackluster funding, as well as the muscular role they hoped the committee would play in a general election matchup. Uh, the party currently has about half as much money as the DNC, which is very bad. That is muy bad Not good. Uh, Trump has also repeatedly told advisors that McDaniel was not doing enough on, quote, election integrity. But in private, he's been nice to her. Shocking. I'm stunned. Donald Trump doing two separate things. Um, he hasn't forcefully pushed her to leave. The pair met for over two hours on Monday. Uh, about two weeks ago, he began telling people he wanted to change at the RNC. And uh, a Newsmax reporter asked Trump in a televised interview on Monday, is it time for Ronna to step aside? And he responded, I think she knows that. I think she understands that. I love this framing. Trump is weighing other candidates for the job. I, I get he's the face of the party right now. I really do. I, I, I totally get it. But this is weird. He's focused on Michael Watley, the North Carolina GOP chairman who has supported Trump's claims of election fraud as a favorite. Two people familiar with his comments have said, McDaniel has promised a lengthy and smooth transition. Nothing has changed, said RNC spokesman uh, Keith Shipper. Uh, this will be decided after South Carolina. Mike Reed, the RNC's chief of staff, announced Tuesday that he planned to step down from his role at the committee as well. Reed has privately long told confidants that he planned to step down after the RNC's winter meetings last weekend uh, in Las Vegas, and he's had a job lined up since the fall. Now, uh, Rana. Rana's had some problems um, as chairwoman. Of course, the win in 2016 um, was a big deal, but since then, the Republicans haven't really won much of anything. Um, I'm looking at losing a majority in 2018 in the House, losing the presidency in 2020, losing the Senate in 2020, not gaining the Senate in 2022, Gaining the majority in the House in 2022. By razor thin. But now that's a razor thin majority of like one or two now. I think it was a whopping four at the time. So you you have problems there, and it appears... Um, that they're tired of losing? It appears they're tired of losing. So someone's going to replace Ronald Romney McDaniel, who, by the way, stopped using the, the middle name Romney because, well, that was hello... Caitlin, that wasn't winning her any favors. Caitlin Bird from the Post and Courier, senior politics reporter, broke this last night. SCGOP chair Drew McKissick is the RNC's co-chairman. He has spoke with Trump in recent days and has expressed his interest in the job of chairman if she were to leave. He is he is currently the co-chair, co-chair. of the so party. So that could be interesting. Something to note as... Sands through the hourglass. So, so are the days of our lives. Of so that that's not a. Is that still on the air? Probably. Is I that, hope, uh, I or hope is that not. just streaming on Peacock now? Somebody's watching it right now. Probably so. There's a lot going on, and we're glad you joined us for another episode of the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South this Carolina. One? There's a lot of news, so if you want to stay connected with Palmetto Family, you can do it. Palmettofamily.org. Click on that um, that email newsletter. Scroll, form. Scroll to the bottom. Of scroll the page. to the bottom. It's there. Fill out the email form, and we will get you added to our newsletter. Uh, make sure to give this 
show a five-star rating and review. Share it with your friends and family. It's important that they know what's going on. Uh, just like you do, you want all of your you want all of your friends and family to be as educated as you Share are. Share the show with your friends. Like use Justin as a punchline. I mean, laugh at the things that he says. Gladly, everyone does. Yeah, everyone does. We're gonna have a lot more updates for you as the week goes on. Friday, we will be talking about the medicinal use of marijuana legislation that that is currently in the Senate. Could have passed. If it doesn't pass, then we won't talk about it. We'll also be talking about some alcohol uh, bills that proliferate alcohol. Want to thank uh, the yeah, careful. Uh, Want to thank uh, the F- Family Caucus yep. and John McCravey, Rep- Representative and Chairman John McCravey, for all their uh, hard, valiant work yes, on that. Absolutely. And then next week on Monday. We will be talking with Jake Crane. If you remember Jake Crane of Crane oh, & Company cool. uh, from the Daily Wire, he joined us before football season last year yeah. just for a fun episode. Yeah. This will actually involve legislation. There is NIL legislation. If you don't know what NIL is, that is name, image, and likeness. Players and athletes, student athletes, being able to cash in on their name, image, and likeness. This bill would give control of NIL to the schools. So Clemson... South Carolina would have control of NIL and not these third parties uh, having control of NIL. It would streamline NIL, and I believe, I believe personally, it is a good thing. Uh, but we'll talk with him about that, the landscape of NIL across uh, collegiate sports. And, of course, that will be the Monday after the Super Bowl. So we'll talk about the Super Bowl as well just because why Taylor not? Swift will be there. That's uh, why, right? Oh, yes, sorry. Yes, probably. Sorry. We hope you enjoy your Wednesday. Thank you so much for for listening to the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. For Mitch Prosser, I'm Justin Hall. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you on Friday.